celebration of a family. Uh, we began this, this series last week on a celebration of our sexuality, recognizing God's design or celebrating God's design and he's, as he has made us male and female. And as people of the word, people of scripture, we recognize it as a church that we ought to be celebrating it louder than ever. We need to be the voice of God, be the voice of the word, of the, of the, of the Lord and of his word in the world today in recognizing and acknowledging God's grand, beautiful design. Amen? Oh, come on now. You better recognize God's design. As people of his word, that is exactly what we need to do. And, and as, um, as we discussed last week, as we have seen what seems to be that the alternative voice has become seemingly more louder within our community and has become seemingly greatly more accepted more than ever. We need to recognize and we need to be but recognize that we are those ambassadors that are speaking on behalf of God in the world today and to recognize that his design is perfect and is greater. And so last week it was a celebration of our sexuality, male and female, and what that means for us to come together and to be united, to leave and to cleave, and, 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 and the beauty of that and, and what that entails. And today... Um, as we continue this series on, on family, we're going to be talking about um, and celebrating the beauty of marriage and God's design uh, when, it, when, it comes, when it comes to, to marriage. So I uh, believe that we, we recognize that, uh, that the Bible has some things to say about marriage and some interesting things uh, and examples uh, in the Bible uh, as it pertains to marriage. And uh, we look forward to addressing that this morning. And, and when I say we, I, I don't mean me. Uh, so uh, today we're, we're going to expand our, our, our group up here on the stage. Uh, I want us to welcome my wife, Marcia, back to the stage. And Pastor Mike and his wife, Caroline, to the stage. Let's welcome them up. Hi. Here's my microphone. Excellent. Wow. You see, you know, I, I'm doing this the biblical way. Pastor Mike and I have thrones that we're sitting on, right? And uh, actually, I didn't know why Marcia told me this morning that I might want to wear a tie. Maybe she thought I was going to hang myself or something. I, I don't know, but uh, I'm, I'm not used to wearing wearing this, but... Well, I'll, I'm going to keep my distance for a couple of things. So uh, this is a, a different type of, of, of way for us to, to discuss and to present Scripture, present God's Word. I've been looking forward to this. We've been, this, we've been planning it for about six months now, uh, what this will look like, um, what the discussion is going to be on. And I think the, the neat thing about it is that uh, we, we don't want this... Uh, we discuss this. We don't want this to sound preachy or sound like we know better or that we have it all together. And that's why we're, we're doing it in this conference type of format because we, we, want, we, we want to be able to present this and talk realistically to you all 
and because uh, we recognize that, um, especially as spiritual leadership within the church, that sometimes your eyes are on us, and that you are looking at us in some ways, and, so, and, and especially our relationship with our spouses, uh, the way that we interact, what you know, what what our home life might be like, what our the health of our relationship with our spouse, because we recognize that sometimes you you look up to us, but but we want to be able to to present and give to you testimony and 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 truth in this and that. Marriage is hard, amen? Ma- marriage can be rough sometimes, and it, it, it isn't uh, all easy, and it is difficult, no matter who you are or what stage in life you're in, or no matter what role that you have, and especially within the church, that, um, that, that you know, we, we are all fighting the same battles and the same struggles, and we're coming at them from maybe from different viewpoints, you know, different upbringings, you know, different, the ways that we saw our parents or our grandparents, you know, and how they fought and, uh, and, and how they overcome, overcame those, uh, those, those disagreements or those fights at home and us learning how to bounce off of each other and each other's strengths and weaknesses and all. And I thought it would be really awesome for us today to kind of just give testimony to that and for you to be able to 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 hear from us so today what we want to do is we want to provide encouragement we want to encourage you we're going to find encouragement in god's word in, in scripture this morning and and we're we're going to to just be a little real a little honest with each other and i think that that is just the the best way to to start this so i i, I have a treat for you uh, i want to share with you um, a picture of Mike and Caroline this morning. So we can put that up on the screen. This is Mike and Caroline uh, when, when, when they got married. How sweet is that? I heard an awe already. Everybody collectively? Aww. How beautiful is that? So, so Mike and Caroline, why, why don't you just share with us, share with the church how you all met, you know, talk to us about, you know, just a couple of things here. I see the, the wedding. How long have y'all been married and things like that? And just, just share your testimony a little bit there. Well, we have been married for 10 years in October. Um, and we, we actually met, I was the, uh, I was the, the pimple-faced, four-eyed, dorky kid, you know, that, that was like, everybody was just like, shut up, man. They actually had a game where anywhere we would go, um, they would bet that I couldn't go up to a random person and start up a conversation. Um, and it was like, you're on. I, it, there's one thing I can do, and I can talk, you know. Um, and so me and Caroline, we went through middle school at church together, um, and I was a dork. <laughs> she did have no interest in me. And uh, and so, but... <laughs> just friends. Just friends, just friends. But uh, so... So then, somewhere between the eighth grade and the ninth grade year, like God was like, "I bestow on you, you know, manliness." Um, and so I came back to church after ninth grade, and it was like, "Whoa, what happened to the dude?" You know. Um, so what I what what I like to tell people about how we met is that we had a first kiss, and then we had a last first kiss, um, and they both have kind of the same story. Um, so our first kiss, uh, Caroline and I had went on a date, and I had taken my sister with me. Um, so <laughs> it was a church event, you know. And so we, um, 
we, we pulled up to the house, and I'm standing on the front porch telling her bye. Well, the whole time my sister is in the car hanging out the window screaming, Just kiss her already! Um, and she was ready to go home. So, um, so then we, we'll get to kind of the middle part of our story here in a moment. But then our last first kiss, I was actually sitting on my back porch with, with Caroline. And, um, and we, uh, Caroline and my mom had gone in the house and me and my dad were talking and me and Caroline had been kind of through a rough patch. And I did not realize that, that my, I was outside on the porch and my dad said, just kiss her. You just, you just got to kiss her. Well, at the same time, my mom and Caroline were in the house and my mom was telling Caroline, you just going to have to kiss him. You know, like, like he's not going to make the first move. Um, and so we walked, she walked outside, and she planted one on me, man. And, uh, you know, it's just, you ever seen the, where the steam comes out of your ears, you know? Um, so it was just, man, it was, man, it, it, that was my last first kiss. Um, that was my last first kiss. So we have been high school sweethearts. We've been off and on, and. Uh, we've made it through everything. So. Awesome. Great. Thank you for sharing. That's beautiful. Let's, let's look at this next picture here. Marsha, who are you with there? Oh, wait a minute now. That was uh, uh, 1994 right there. Yeah. We just had our 27th, and uh, actually on October the 1st, we're actually going to have our 30th. That's what we always say, or what I like to say, is that we started dating on October 1st. Um, 1991, so we're about ready to celebrate the 30th there, so that's, that's great. So, Marcia, outside of answering awesome, what one word might you use to describe the first few years of being married to such a great husband? Hard. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have anything you want to share about what, what life with me was like there at the beginning? Well, not that it was your fault, but our first years were hard. I mean, when we got married, we were ready to, you know, have the, the, the fantasy world where it all goes like I wanted to go, and it didn't. You know, we hit a brick wall of some circumstances that were beyond our control, and um, so our, our first three years were tough. But, it was like but it's been awesome ever since. It has. Yeah, yeah. It so has. we, we met the, um, the first weekend that we moved into our college dorms at Campbellsville College in Campbellsville, Kentucky. So in the middle of August, and there was a BSU event mm -hmm. at the lake of free hot dogs. And as a college student, free food, why not? And so a bunch of friends made their way over there. And we were both part of the music department there, or going to be. We hadn't started classes yet. And so uh, I would say about half a dozen of us kind of hooked up uh, right then and there pretty quickly and um, um, became really good friends, and we were in that circle. And then uh, eventually, as school got started, her college roommate, Crystal, was my piano accompanist for my voice lessons in college. And so then that, can, that helped the relationship there because we, we, we knew each other and stuff, and... Um, uh, more and then we, we we went to the same church as college ministry uh, that they had, and then that exacerbated that relationship. And then um, 
uh, let's see, there was a, um, a, a, this was a Baptist college, and so you, you, you know, there, it wasn't public dorms. You had your male dorms and your female dorms, and uh, twice a week for about two or three hours, um, a couple of us would, uh, or they would open it up to where guys could go into the girls' dorms as long as you leave the doors open and vice versa and all, and, you know, be able to interact a little bit and all. And um, Scott Elliott and I came to your room with uh, yours and Crystal's room, and um, do you remember what I did? I told her, I told her that if her, if, did she know that if her, if her hand was bigger than her face, that, that she might end up with cancer. And so she put her hand up to her face, and then I hit it. She fell for the joke. Have y'all ever heard that joke before? No? Okay. Well, that, yeah, that, so after that, it was love. It was love at first sight, right? After that, right? You know, when you knew how humorous and how fun that I was going to be, you just said, okay, that's great. I, I got go. to have some of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so fun times there. So I think it's interesting that when we look at Scripture, uh, and, and especially the different marriages that are recorded for us in Scripture. Well, I mean, just think about it. We, we, we have some great examples, don't we, of, of marriages in Scripture. I came up with a list here. I was talking to Marsha about this. came up with a, a list of, of great marriages in Scripture. You got Hosea and Gomer, right? Gomer was the prostitute that God told Hosea to marry. Remember that story? I mean, a great, perfect marriage, right? You have Job and his wife. Perfect marriage, right? She, you know, all, all, during all the calamity in their life, uh, Job's wife told him to do what? What a spiritual counselor right there. Curse God and die, absolutely. Uh, another great marriage in Scripture, you have David and Bathsheba, right? I mean, match made in heaven or on a rooftop, you know, absolutely. You have Abraham and Sarah, Beautiful, right? I mean, you know, hey, we're, we're in another king's territory. I'm just going to tell them that you're my sister. You know, what harm? What harm right there? You're, absolutely. Or, or how about Sarah? You know, well, we can't have kids. Here, here's Hagar. I mean, you know, when, once you look in a, a girl's name, Hagar's face, what, what can you say, right? Then you have Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah, beautiful marriage. Remember, Rebekah went to Jacob and said, Hey, you know, why don't you make the best soup and, and take it to your blind father and tell him that you're Esau? Perfect marriage, amen? Perfect marriage. Oh, and then I thought, well, let's, what about in the New Testament? What perfect marriage do we have in the New Testament? Marcia said, well, what about marrying Joseph? I said, Joseph was going to dump her. Joseph was going to dump her. How great is that? Or here, here's the one that I came up with. Of all the marriages of the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, if you're going, you know, they're, they're the Bonnie and Clyde of the first century church. We're going to sell our property and keep some of it and tell the church this was all that, I mean, come on, great. They're going to lie together. They're going to go down together. And they, and they did. So if you think about it, and, and Marsh and I, we were bouncing, off our, bouncing it off of each other yesterday while we, we were in the car. And we, I, was, we were, I was asking her, I said, tell me in Scripture the epitome of marriage, the, the great marriage in, in Scripture. And, and, and if you think about it, and you sit and, 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 you, and you, you can probably come up with a, supple, a couple, well, I know this and person, that person was married. Yeah, but they're not really put out there as being the ideal marriage. There's, there's really not much in Scripture that says, 
Here is a great example of, of two individuals who were married that never had any problems, that didn't have any personal hang-ups, they didn't have any issues with each other, and, uh, and you know, use these people as an example. You, you, you really can't find that in Scripture anywhere. And even then, you, you have to go way into the New Testament, into a couple of paragraphs... Uh, and, and both of them are similar paragraphs. Paul writes it in, in Colossians 3 and Ephesians chapter 5. A, a little simple paragraph about how husbands and wives ought to view one another. And it's just a couple of sentences and, and not very much detail in it at all. There's really not that much in Scripture relating to marriage. And so, you know, there, there's not a lot for us to really build upon except for looking at the dedication and devotion that Christ has to his church. And I think that, that that's important for us to realize, recognize that, but you can really apply that to a lot of areas. So we're going to talk specifically about, uh, uh, about that, that marital covenant, that marriage relationship that we're to have with each other. Our main passage this morning is going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, so let me encourage you to go there. And while you're going there, I thought that it would be fun for us if we played a little newlywed game for just a moment, just a one-question newlywed game uh, before, we, we, before we got serious, okay? So, wives, I want you to know that your husbands answered a question and put their answer in this, in this card, in this envelope, okay? And so we're going to, we're going to ask, ask you to try to guess what they wrote down about you. Okay, are you ready for this? Caroline looked at Mike and said, oh boy. All right, so here's the question. Who is your wife more like? Gomer, Job's wife, Bathsheba, Sarah, or Sapphira? I told you I was wearing a tie this morning, so I knew I was going to hang myself. So, uh, so Caroline, what do you think... Give her, give her the microphone. Go, Caroline, what do you think? What do you think? How do you think that Mike answered? Who, who, who is your wife more like? How do you think that he answered? I would think that Michael said none of the above. <laughs> well, to, let's see here. It says neither. She's an angel. <laughs> oh. How precious, how precious is that? Well, Marcia, how do you believe that your husband answered that question? I, I hope you copied Mike's answer. <laughs> well, let, let's see what your husband wrote. Ooh. A little bit of each. <laughs> I'm in the doghouse now, right? All right, okay, that's enough of all of that. All right, I guess we got to get serious sometime, right? So see, uh, he, he had the good answer, didn't he, Caroline? Okay, all right, good. I'll pay for that one later. All right, so let's see here. Let's, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's get, let's get serious just a little bit. And uh, I know that, Marsha, you started off a little while ago by saying that, that uh, not only can you use awesome to describe our relationship but you, you also used the word hard or difficult. Do you, you, you want to expound upon that as we get into this, this recognizing, you know, that, that we all face hardships in marriage? Do you have, a, for instance, a testimony you want to give? 
Oops. I think it was just important going in that we knew um, this was this is for keeps. This is for life. Um, so if we're going to make it, we have to push through the hard times because we are two completely different people um, with sometimes different expectations. And we don't get to look back and say, look what we did if we don't keep going in those hard times. There was, I think, when we, when we talk about um, the hardships that we had to endure, I think some of it had to deal with my own um, personal issues, personal hardships, things that, that I had difficulties with on a personal level that as we entered into a union together and I began, you know, I, I began asking things of, of my wife, of Marcia, to help fill a need or to help with an insecurity that I had or something that I had learned the wrong way, the hard way, by viewing my parents' relationship and their broken relationship, really, uh, as, as a teenager growing up, that that, that brought a tension into our marriage that, that you weren't prepared for. And, um, it, and, and a lot of times in those marriages, when we bring those real-world issues, those insecurities, um, those, um, uh, th- those troubling issues to the table, when the other person is so, so great and angelic and perfect, um, it, it really does cause for there to be tension. And I think in, in one of the ways that um, uh, that, that happened is, is that um, I, was, I was trying to get something from Marsha or ask something from Marsha that she just, she, she just wasn't ready or prepared to give me yet. And, you know, without going into grand details and great details of things, sometimes that's where, you know, the, the, the coming together is more like this than it is a connection. And, and instead of us being able to connect, whether it was intimately or relationally early on, it became a fight and, and we began bouncing off of each other. And, and, and as 21-year-old, a newly married couple, um, you know, we, we had views about marriage that, that wasn't realistic. And, and a lot of that I brought to that table. And as I was asking for her to be able to, to, to meet a standard that I wanted or to fill a need that I wanted, it actually caused there to be more of a rift than there was in those first three years that you were mentioning. And, um, and we, did, we didn't know who to talk to or where to go with that. And after a while, those things kind of found a little bit of healing. And we were able to move past them, like she said, because of our commitment to each other. But then at around year 14 or 15, I hit another wall. You're smiling. Oh, this is a rough year. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and those same things that we might have been able to cover or to mask early on, they came back around in a bigger way. Um, what, what did I say? 14, year 14 or 15. And then we ended up needing to see a, a Christian counselor for a spell that to was, help us move through. That was the his and hers nervous breakdowns. <laughs> the his and her nervous breakdown. Do you have anything you want to share about that time and about what you learned, what we learned through that? Well, I think one thing that we learned at that point um, was you have to have the fight. 
And I know this is not this, not every couple has this same issue, but um, I don't want to have the fight sometimes. I want to just move on. But if you do that, it will come back later. And we had to have a lot of discussions that would have resolved themselves if we had dealt with it after the fifth time or the sixth time it happened or the tenth instead of the 500th time that it happened. And you have to have that fight. You cannot not have the fight if it's an, an important issue. And we also learned something about each other for when we fight and about how to go about finding healing or re resolution in that fight. You want to talk about that? About what you learned about me in... in oh, I learned that one real early. But okay. this, we don't come back from a fight in the same way. It's when I'm done, I'm done. Let's get back to life. And, you know, and Doug's not. And so, but I had to learn that harassing him into coming back is not going to work. If he needs his cool down time or get over it time, he's got to let him have it. Yeah, we had to learn, you know, give me my two days, you know, my, let me give you the silent treatment for a couple of days. Let me be in my corner, leave me alone. And, you know, we had the discussion, give me a couple of days and then I'll be back. One of the things that I, I don't, I don't remember when this really came onto the scene and this will be the last thing we'll move on to Caroline and, and, and Michael, but, um, I remember, I don't know how long ago this, this came about, but it seemed like it was during that year 15 um, issue that we had. As I came back with, and any time we have a fight, I will always, you know, no matter how that fight ends, I will always look at Marsha and say, you're still my girl. And, you know, just to reaffirm in that relationship that you are, you are still my bride, you are, you are still the love of my life. You know, we just had this argument or this disagreement, but Marsha, you're still my girl. And, I, and I, I don't, I've only had to use it maybe half a dozen times in the last 10 years since then. But, you know, I think it's good to, to recognize, and especially as couples, as you get to learn each other and, and, and pick a fight, fighting pattern together. This is, this is what we will have within the bounds of our disagreement when we do fight, when we do have a disagreement. But then what is going to be the recovery stage? How are we going to then get past that? And a lot of times we don't have that, we don't have that discussion. We don't set down the rules for this wrestling match. And then things will get thrown or certain words or certain names would be said. And then, you know, the people will storm off. And just like the scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and things of that nature. You need to set rules and set boundaries as a husband and wife as to how you're going to fight and, and then how you're going to find healing afterwards. And you need to do that early on while times are good, not whenever you're in a fight. And then go, okay, well, this is what you're going to do to get over this. No, that's not how it works. You set, the, you set the rules early on whenever times are good so that whenever you do have that disagreement, you already have agreed upon, agreed upon system as to how you're going to fight and how you're going to recover from that. Because in the end, she's still my girl and I'm still her guy. And that needs to be reaffirmed in some way. Mike and Caroline, you have something you want to you wanna share? <clears throat> well, I think that uh, for us early on, um, I would say that God kind of pulled the bait and switch on Caroline um, because I was in nursing school and I had complete plans to go to med school. Um, and so while we were, while we were dating, Caroline's like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to have to deal with med school, but then, you know, we're going to be in the money, you know, like we're, I'm going to be marrying a doctor. And then, 
you know, we get married, and then a couple of months after we get married, I'm like, guess what? I'm going into full-time ministry. And it was like, skirt, you know, like, what? Um, but uh, one of the things that, that, that I know in our marriage that's been a struggle, and she would never say, um, guys, I just want y'all to know, she's going to hate me for saying this too, um, but like, Caroline is dying up here. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not her forte. This is my thing, but this is not her thing. So she is like having a breakdown up here. Um, and one of the things that I not, did not realize when I went into ministry was that I was called into ministry and Caroline loved me enough to follow. You know, um, and so, but there was, in a lot of churches, there is very undue pressure that gets put on the pastor's wife. Um, and I didn't know that. Some of the meanest, nastiest things, things that people would not say to me because they know better, they'll say to my wife. You know, and it's just, she didn't ask for this. You know, she, she followed and she believes in God and, you know, she loves the Lord. Y'all, I have seen this woman sit and pray with young girls. That's really her heart is young girls that had a, had a hard childhood and now just can't figure it out. Um, and she's done that. And just expectations that people would never put on themselves, they'll put on a pastor's wife and not think anything of it. You know, and I think that was hard in our marriage was the fact that, like, she didn't realize coming in that that was something that she was agreeing to. Um, and so it, it's been tough. You know, that has been, that's been a tough thing for us is trying to walk that road because everybody expects a pastor's wife. You know, everybody expects somebody who's married to me to be bubbly and da, da, da. Let me tell you, if I was married to me, one of us would be living in a different home. You know, I mean, I can't do it. I can't do it. I wake up at 5.30 in the morning like this. Could you imagine being you know, married to somebody like that? Um, and so she's kind of mine that kind of anchors me down and, 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 and uh, does that. I know that one of the, the tough things for Caroline was, uh, was kind of learning how to deal with in-laws. Nobody has that problem, right? <laughs> Everybody got really quiet. Everybody got real quiet with in-laws, yeah. you know. Everybody got real quiet. Awesome. You have anything sure. you want to say, Caroline? Well, this that's great. Well, let's get into our scripture passage, folks. This is in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five. It says, and I mean this, this right here. I mean this is the word of God right here as it pertains to marriages. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Can I get an amen? Come on, men. Just keep reading. Amen. 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 Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. What a great place to start in Scripture. When there's only You're a couple done. of places. And, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute now, wait a minute now. You know, I, I like to take a couple of verses at a time. So, uh, there's only a couple of places in Scripture where marriage is really truly addressed. And, and advice is given on behalf of the apostolic leadership here. This is from the apostle himself. And he starts off with, wives, 
Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, you've got to admit that the church has made a pretty poor name for itself by the way that it has taught this passage and how men have abused the sentiment or the context of that verse by taking it out of context from the rest of it. I mean, can we agree that, we, that the church over the years has done a, has done a really poor job in terms of correctly teaching this passage in a godly way, in the way in which it was, it was intended. And I think the, that some of that reason, some of that reason is uh, that, 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 that I feel sometimes could be right or could be wrong is because the divisions in our Bible are in, in poor, or, or have been done poorly. Our chapters were how, sometimes chapters are put in in places that divide thoughts that are actually continuing thoughts. And then you have these titles, these headings that come up in our Bibles. And perhaps your Bible is like mine, but it separates verse 21 from verse 22. Verse 22 says, wives submit to your, to your husbands as to the Lord. But verse 21 is the connecting thought. Submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. And that's really, truly where it begins in the marriage relationship. It's not singling out. It's recognizing that as a unit, as, as one person, just as we are one with God in Christ, we, are, we become one together as husband and wife, that we are to learn how to submit to one another. And what we find here is that we usually take this one verse out of context and we miss the entirety of the passage. And I want us to, to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know it well because um, if, you, if you talk to someone and they say why they're not a Christian or why they stay away from the Christian church, one of the reasons, especially if you're talking to a, a woman, is that she'll bring this up. She'll bring up this verse about the church's view on women. And they'll, and they'll talk about where it says women are to submit to men. And women are supposed to submit to their husbands. So look, look at this in its context. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the church, of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Excuse me. His body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So there's this connecting thought here between the two paragraphs. And it revolves around Jesus' relationship with the church. And here he says, just as Christ loved the church, love your wives. And what did he do? He gave his life for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, blemish but holy and blameless. So Jesus' relationship with the church him being the bridegroom and us and we being the bride is what he has done in order to present us before God at the day of the great wedding between him and the church when we all become one. And in the same view that we have that and we understand that context spiritually, how he has made us, made you and I holy and blameless. This is the righteousness of Christ, the atonement that's done through the shedding of his blood, that the relationship that the husband is to have for his wife is to be of that same nature. Husbands, how are you making your wife holy and beautiful and blameless and spotless? How are you sacrificing yourself before your wife? To me, that has much greater implications 
for the husband to the wife than that word submission does for the wife to the husband. And I think for us to recognize that that word submission and that word sacrifice, they work hand in hand, is that this isn't how one is greater than the other. It's how one, and here's the word, complements, complements the other. And it's not just about the responsibility that a wife has to her husband or that the husband has to his wife. It's the responsibility that they have to one another. How are they submitting to each other or sacrificing to one another? And what Paul is acknowledging here is that, is that there is a spiritual context to the... There is a spiritual context to be applied to our marriages that... You know, and for some of us, and I would say many of us or most of us in this room, we didn't get that from our fathers and mothers. We didn't see that at play at, at home. We didn't, we didn't see that as an example, the interweaving or the connection of, of, of how we submit to God in Christ and a submission to one another. What we, what we, what we really saw is, the, what we, and what we've experienced we've, even within our own relationships, is selfishness. And what am I getting out of this relationship? And what, what is in this for me? Um, how, how are you blessing me instead of how am I serving you? And we talk about that and we recognize it within the church and, in, in our, and within the spiritual context of the church and the fellowship within the church and in our relationship with God. But here in this passage and also in Colossians 3, I believe that the Apostle Paul is connecting that, that same spiritual context within our relationship with between husband and wife. Do you have something you want to share on that? Yes. Um, you know, Paul also in another place tells us about this conflict that we live with, that he does, he does the thing he doesn't want to do, and he can't quite accomplish the thing he wants to do. That, and I think here it's important to know that each of us, the, the husband and the wife, we're commanded to do the thing that's hard. At the end of the passage, it says, you know, husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands. Well, as wives, we don't have any trouble loving. We can do that. But respect, oh, we can, we can give the evil eye or, or a snide remark. But husbands, they, they are respect, but it's harder for them. They're emotional. Um, their emotions are different than women, and loving is, is the thing they have to decide to do. We're each commanded to do the part that's hard, that doesn't come naturally and easily. And, I, and it's Yeah, I it's think work. that uh, I've dealt with this a lot with younger guys. You know, these, these younger guys that are just married, that they really focus on that submit part. You know, and so they'll come and they'll talk to you and they'll say, you know, just... I don't get it, man. She's just not a godly wife. She just, she won't submit to me and da, 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 da. And the, the tone always changes when I say, well, what are you bringing to the table that would make it worth her submitting to? Hmm. Hmm. You no, know, how are you a husband that she respects? I think that's the thing. I think that a lot of times when, when we have, a lot of times I've seen when we have marriages that are failing, when we have things that are going on, um, 
it, it's not a lot about the, the big things that are happening. It's about all the small things that the man is not doing that is making him an ungodly husband. Um, and so I think, I think a lot of times once, the, once we realize what a godly husband looks like, once we, really look, once we really look at what it looks like to submit to our wives, um, I think that makes the relationship a lot easier. Sure. And I think that the word, um, when we focus on the words and we look at the word submit and, and it's about what you're supposed to do to me, that we really need to start turning that around and saying, what do I need to do for you? And Marcia touched on this just a moment ago, is that there are some things, and, I, and this goes back to last week about our sexuality. There are some things that guys, that men, that men are good at because God designed men to be good at them, at those things. And there are things that God designed females, women to be good at, and he designed them to be good at those things. And when you put the two together, when male and female come together... And they're able to complement one another, and they're able to be strong where the other person is weak, or to be weak, or to be. Yeah, okay, I, I was. Yeah, yeah, they're be strong where the other person is weak. Let me just stop there before I hang myself. And um, uh, but a, but a lot of times when we bring our insecurities, when we bring our immaturity. When we bring our personal hang-ups, perhaps it's from a previous relationship or a previous marriage, and we bring those things in, it's important for the spouse to begin looking to see, how can I be the yin to that yang? How can I be, and whether it's from the male end or the female end, is to be able to see, how can I compliment, how can I submit to that person, be able to encourage that person really, truly, to be all that God has made him or her to be. And when we begin to recognize that God said, or through the Apostle Paul here, that you love your wife, because really when it comes down to it, you know, it, it's not in a man's character to be lovey-dovey. Now, I'm not saying across the board. I think I'm pretty lovey-dovey and, and all, but uh, maybe touchy-feely more so than lovey-dovey. Let me rephrase that. But, it, but it, it, it's not in the character of man to be lovey-dovey. And it's and as just as Marcia was saying, that uh, it seems that in, in, in most cases, not in all, and I think it's important for us to put that caveat in there, not in every case or instance, but not all women are respectful. And especially when you, you get around and you get some of them together and they start gossiping about something good, you know, there's not a lot of respect that's taking place around that table then. But, uh, and so there, there is a little both sides of the coin here that the Apostle Paul recognized through the Holy Spirit to be able to lay out there for us. And that is there is a submission factor, there is a respect factor, there is a sacrifice, and there is be extra loving, produce more love between you and your wife when it comes from the, the, the husband side of things. And I think when we look at the passage as a whole, we see that, that, that we are made up of two. And as we celebrate God's design, how he made us male and female, and he calls us to come together, not just because of intimacy or sexuality, but also as we come together and form 
a, a, a husband-wife relationship that there's going to be things that I'm going to be, be able to bring into the table in her life to be able to dress her up just as Christ dresses up the church and makes it holy and beautiful before God and that she's going to be able to bring into the relationship for me in order to encourage me to be what God has designed me to be. You have any, uh, anything to add to that, any of you? Or is that just too good? You just have, don't have anything to say. I see you have something there highlighted, Marcia. What do you have? Um, this is um, a devotion taken from the, um, the, the couple's devotional Bible that was given to us um, years ago. Years but, ago. Um, it's just the, the first couple sentences struck me. It says, in a poll conducted by Psychology Today magazine, a man married for more than 20 years responded, commitment means a willingness to be unhappy for a while. Um, I think it's just important to know, to know we're not going to be happy all the time, and maybe we're not supposed to be, but you've got to push through it. And Sometimes there's going to be a rough patch, but the commitment, yes. the commitment yes. comes first. That's like whenever I say to you, you're still my girl. Yeah. I like that. This is what Kent Hughes writes. He says, the man who sanctifies his wife understands that this is his divinely ordained responsibility. Is my wife more like Christ because she is married to me? Or is she like Christ in spite of me? Has she shrunk from his likeness because of me? Do I sanctify her or hold her back? Is she a better woman because she is married to me? And that, that really struck me this week in, in terms of viewing this passage in that way. And, and approaching and recognizing that the way that we approach our relationship with our spouse is, is how much more in love with Jesus in love, and dedicated to God are they because of your relationship with your spouse. Yeah, I mean, you talk about <clears throat> commit, you know, and, and that makes me think of, you know, a lot of times, you know, you've got these lingering hurts that, that kind of, span through um through marriages and that's kind of the the knife in the back that kind of continues to turn i know that when we were um when we were married uh, when we first got married i was a horrible human being before we got married i was not very nice um and i did some things that that really hurt caroline um and when we got married caroline had completely forgiven me and had completely moved on um, and was okay with where we were, but I could not forgive myself. Um, and I realized that it was my pride kind of holding on to what was happening, kind of holding on to that. And I think when you look at commit and you look at that selfishness, I think it's really important for people that have past marriages, have things that have happened in the past of, you know, maybe those things are still lingering into this uh, first marriage. of uh, this, this, this marriage is, is knowing that, like part of my submission is to say, okay, you know what? I know that there are hurts here, but I have to deal with this so that I can get out of the way. You know, and, and I, in order to love you better, I have to get myself out of the way. Um, and I think a lot of times with me, that's what submission looks like in my life. That's what committing to Caroline looks like in my wife, in, in my life is saying, you know what? I'm going to bring me out of the way for a moment so that you can step in the spotlight. And that's not easy for me to do, um, is to say, you know what, I'm going to step back and let you step in. But sometimes that's what commitment looks like, you know. Sometimes it may mean um, I'm going to step back from pursuing my dream for just a moment in order for you to be able to pursue yours. 
Um, sometimes it might be I, I'm the one who has to work in order for you to be able to get that degree um, so, that, so that you can pursue your dream. And I'm going to find my satisfaction at this time in seeing what, you know, to, to that in your life. And then uh, in, in what we would like to be able to see is as, as we submit to one another that you'll see that going back and forth and recognizing that. And so sometimes it's, it is, you know, having to step back and say, okay, I realize, well, I might need to decrease so that you can increase. And we talk about that in scripture, right? He must increase and I must decrease. And I believe that when we look at our relationship with, with Christ and with God in Christ, we can, we can definitely take that parallel and put it in our relationship with our spouse sometimes and be able to say there are times when, when, when I might have to work harder in order for you to be able to achieve what you're achieving. Another quote I have is from Dave Willis. He says, great marriages don't happen by luck or by accident. They are the result of a consistent investment of time, thoughtfulness, forgiveness, affection, prayer, mutual respect, and a rock-solid commitment between a husband and a wife. And so I, I found that to be, uh, to, 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 to be good to be able to share. And so, you know, what, what is the cure? Is there a cure? You know, what, what, you, you, might, you may be going through something as a couple, and you're wondering, well, well, well you know, what, what, does, what does this have to do with, with my situation or being able to overcome that obstacle that my, my wife and I or that my husband and I are, are going through right now? And I think that's where the, where the discussion actually starts. You know, we, we recognize these, these, these places in Scripture where, in, as few, and, and I believe as few as they are when, they, uh, 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 when they're about, uh, about marriage in particular, and be able to say, if, if this is all that there is in Scripture that, that, that speaks directly to marriage, are you paying attention to it? Are you, are you asking yourself, how am I submitting to, or how am I sacrificing for, or how am I loving or respecting? I think that, it, that those places in Scripture where it may be few and far between with the, on the subject matter, that, and this in particular in marriage, just stop and, and ask yourself, go before God and ask Him, ask him to reveal to you those times in your life or those situations or this situation that you're currently in and ask, Lord, am I, am I showing my commitment to my spouse? Or how have I lacked in showing my commitment to my spouse? Am I submitting to him? And if I haven't been, how have I been disrespecting him? Or for her, how am I sacrificing for her? How have I been amping up or raising the level of love and the affection and the showing of that love to her in this. Because if in Scripture, if it's, if, if I think it's important for us to recognize that this is specifically what the Apostle says to us, needs to be at the, the forefront in our marriages, we need to ask ourselves, are we truly abiding by the words of Scripture in my marriage, in my relationship with my spouse? And then make the decision, do the repentance, make the commitment, discover ways. There's the Love Dare book 
that, that, that uh, goes through 50 days of, of finding ways, husband, that you, husbands, that you can show extra love to your spouse over a period of a month and a half's time. And just little things that you can do each day. And I, and I encourage you with that. I thought I had a copy of that, but, but, but I don't. And uh, we have another resource up here, um, uh, wives, that you may be more than happy to come up here and get. And this is another book by Kevin Lehman, and it's called How to Have a New Husband by Friday. And so we have a couple of copies up here. If, uh, if you're able to, I think they were $8, $10 for these books. And I have one more copy of the book Sheet Music. Uh, I thank some of you for, a couple of you for picking that up last week. And if you want to take uh, home a, a copy of that, those are $5. And you're more than welcome to come and to uh, get that after the service is over. But I think it, it is important for us to have a plan, uh, to be able to sit down and to be able to say, you know, how do I, how can I put or, or put less pressure on my spouse by uplifting my spouse my spouse's needs over and ahead and before my own and then at the same time and this was something that Mike Pastor Mike and I was talking about this week and and this is where I think where we are going to emphasize this where we needed to close and emphasize this today is talking about that that th- that passage in, in Ecclesiastes, when it talks about a cord of three strands, and that is one of those passages that's usually read at weddings. Sometimes they're, they're on the, the, the back of the little bulletin or, or, or in, in stuff. It's a little scripture that's, that's used and, and all, and I'm sure that you've, that you've come across it before. But, but Mike, you, you were sharing with me about that this week. What, what are you thinking? You know, I think that, uh, that it's really something that, uh, that has, has always kind of caught my eye um, and I've always thought about uh, was this three-fold strand. And, and I've, I watched it at a wedding one time, and, and he did this, uh, this kind of illustration. So, Doug, if you'll uh, grab that end, you know, we've got you know, that end right there. We've got a, uh, a three-fold uh, we got a strand, and you know you can tie or whatnot. But if you start pulling on this thing, eventually it's going to snap. You know, and I actually put a cut in it, and it's still pretty strong. So this is a strong person. Um, but <laughs> uh, but you know, then you look at the threefold strand, um, and, and you look at your center line is being is being God in your marriage. You know, and pulling Him together, and then. You've got uh, your husband and your wife that are also strands. And so as, as the, the husband begins to walk alongside God, then you know, that becomes a, straight, a, a, a stronger bond. But then as the wife also starts to walk closer to God, then they start weaving themselves just straight around God. And now it's not, they're, they're not trying to strengthen each other. They're being made stronger because they're leaning on a strand that is just not going to break. They're leaning on a strength that they don't have. Um, and the way that I've always looked at my life with Caroline is that if I am walking towards God and I am pushing my wife to walk towards God, eventually we are going to come together. 
So whenever we fight, it drives Caroline crazy because I will not fight. I did enough of that growing up. I, I will not fight. I just, I don't fight. I just, I, I talk about it and I'm fine and I walk away. Her family, I mean, they want to have some knockdown drag outs, you know. And so I won't fight. So the way that we do this is I say, okay, you, we got to figure this thing out. You pray about it, I'll pray about it, and we always find ourselves meeting in the middle. If I'm seeking God's face, and, 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 and Caroline is seeking God's face, we will eventually come to the same point, because it's the same God. And that's what I, I wanted to bring in, the, the teenagers that are in the room, and because really the thing is, is that if you want a good marriage, it's going to start before you get married. If you want a good marriage, it's going to start before you get married. So, so I've got a challenge for the teenage boys in here this morning, for the teenage guys. You need to start praying for your wife today. My daughter is eight years old, and I pray for her husband daily. My, my son is two years old, and I pray for his wife daily. So, so, so teenage guys, start praying for your wife now. Teenage girls, start praying for your husband now. And if you're running towards Christ and that other person comes up and they're running and they start going this way, then you know, bye boo-boo. We're not going on the same path. Bye-bye. Have a great one. But eventually, I tell the students all the time, if you're running towards God, He's going to bring somebody that's running right, right beside you. And the longer y'all run the closer y'all going to be together, and that's how you know who you're supposed to get be with. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for preaching, Mike. Appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking directly to our teenagers, amen, and we would, like, we would love to be able to see that and be able to set a model for them. And uh, so, Caroline, thank you for sitting up here with us today, and Marcia and Mike and, 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 and being part of this together uh, today. This is a celebration of God's design in marriage. And his design in marriage is that we are interwoven with one another as, as well as with him. Because a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So today I think a good way for us to, to sort of conclude things is, especially if you are here with your spouse, is to just grab each other by the hand and just huddle up in prayer. And I think that that is a beautiful way for us to conclude things and for us to be able to say, you know, I am committed just as I am with my relationship with God in Christ, I am committed with you in the same way. And I, and I believe that's a great way for us to, to finish things up. Now, this is a three-part uh, Celebration of Family series. And next week, we're going to be up here again, and we're going to talk about parenting. And specifically within the context of the struggles that our children and that our teenagers are going through today. And, and for us to kind of just have a roundtable discussion on that next week as well. So let me encourage you on that um, and uh, to, to, to make certain other, everyone else knows about this as well. Is there any con anything concluding that you all want to say before we go to invitation? All right, well, let's join together in prayer, and we'll have our worship team come up.